0: Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome into the BSM Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. And before we start talking buffs, I want to tell you all about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Uh, Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread, so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store, in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon.
1: Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to
0: beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. It's a special day here at BSN Buffs because we have a very special guest on. Uh, Ryan Konigsberg from BSN Broncos and BSN Buffs, and just kind of like BSN Denver in general, is here to talk Buffs with us. How I you been, doing? How ex- are you excited?
1: I can't sleep, can't eat. <laughs> <I> can't <laughs> what are you wearing work? right now?
0: What are you wearing right now, Ryan?
1: Uh, I haven't taken black and gold off all week. Oh, boy. Everything I've worn is Buffs. I'm emptying out the closet. And luckily I have my crying Nebraska kid shirt for Saturday also. I might be mm. out of clean buffs. No, that's impossible for me to run out of clean <laughs> buffs clothes. Uh but this I've never I don't remember being this excited for a game. Like even when the Buffs were playing for the Pac twelve championship, I don't remember being this wound up over a game. Um and not to just like dive right in right away here, <laughs> but uh, like not even, you know, take you out to dinner or talk to you a little (laughs) bit but like i am a lot of it has to do with how their fans are acting
0: oh my goodness it's crazy like like they're making fun of sal they're they're everywhere like they're bragging about how they're sneaking through the cu ticketing system so that they can get tickets all these stories are incredible this is real rivalry stuff
1: it is real rivalry stuff and it's just funny because they try to act like holier than thou. And that's where they, that's where like I'm getting fired up because they're like, Oh, we're like the classiest fan base in sports and all this stuff. And then I don't know, they lose a game last year and it has them really like uh, (laughs) in their feelings about it. And all of a sudden it just all goes out the window. The Sal stuff. I mean, it's just nasty. It's the worst, like some of the worst stuff I've seen in sports. It, definitely like I can't
0: imagine what goes through somebody's head to make them think that in any situation, making fun of a college kid who died of cancer with a, like if you want to pull, they have like a five, six month old son into this too. Like this is, it's messed up. Like it's messed up.
1: We're talking about true tragedy that the
0: worst kind of tragedy
1: that these people think it's okay to, to, to poke fun at. And, you know there's the whole oh every fan base has their bad apples right and I think that's true but I can say honestly that I don't think there is a CU fan out there who would make fun of I think the, the punter's name was Sam Fultz a couple yeah. years ago from yeah. Nebraska who passed away like I truly don't think there is someone who is a CU fan who would do that I've never seen it well and, and it's never happened and, and like we have a, not seen it right And I think we'd see it if it happened because it would, you know, cause a fuss and a bunch of CU fans would be like, you know, what the hell and Mm -hmm. and whatever. So that to me, like, I don't care if it's just like a few bad apples, which it seems like there's a lot of bad apples. There have been quite a few of those. Once that happens, your claim to being a classy fan base goes out the window. Sorry, like it was ruined for you, but you can never say that. Yeah,
0: no, that is so, uh, I mean, the Not that it would ever be okay to make fun of the punter, but the fact that that's already a part of this rivalry—Nebraska fans making fun of what happened to Sal—would make it that much easier for Buffs fans to say, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, punter died." And they, we, they still aren't doing it. Exactly. Like it just isn't happening.
1: It's. uh, So yeah, it's too far. That is way. I mean, way too far. Like there is a clear line. And it gets crossed at times. Like, this is as far as I've, I've ever seen. I mean, obviously, you have, like, racist stuff going on in, like, soccer rivalries yeah, and stuff. Yeah, there is that. This, like, rivals that. Th- I, it
0: might be. It might, I think it's it a much worse. worse. I mean, the, the kid died.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ugly, and it, it, it's part of that that has me just, like, seething and, like, gritting my teeth when I think about this game and just wanting the Buffs to go out there and win so badly.
0: There's so much energy around this game. It's it's something that I have never seen before. And yesterday, getting to sit in and listen to Mike Pritchard and Matt McChesney and Daniel Graham and Gary Barnett and Bobby, like everybody, everybody who's been a part of this rivalry, talking about how important it is to them personally, and it's 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 like a part of who these people are hating Nebraska, just as big as being a Buffs fan. And that's, I mean. That's what they do. That's that's like half of their
1: personality is being a Buzz fan and hating Nebraska. It's pretty cool, uh, and that that specifically um, that show yesterday, which was great, McChesney mm-hmm. on Jane and it was in this feed as well. So make sure you listen to that. What I loved about it is you talk about the energy around this game, and yes, there is hate, and and everyone hates Nebraska and, and whatnot. What I loved about that show is you could hear the smiles. You yeah, know, you know, sometimes you can well, hear when someone's like, I can hear that you're smiling right now. Yeah, as talking. yeah. You, I mean, Gary Barnett was like giddy when they were talking about uh, ending the bowl streak in 2004. Uh, He's just like, ah, uh, it's just a relief, man. It was just a really, and, like, you could hear the smiles. Like, the this game brings a lot of joy to people as well, and and that's the beauty of college football. And for me, it goes all the way back to obviously 2001 and 6236. Like, whew. I wrote about this. I don't know, five years ago. That's the day that I fell in love with college football and it's stayed with, I was nine years old and it stayed with me ever since, like, and it's only gotten stronger and stronger since then. So this game has brought me a lot of joy. The first time I ever drank at a football game when I was definitely (laughs) underage was at a CU Nebraska game. Like there's so many memories that people have tied to this and yeah, there's been a lot of losses. But it's very easy for me to just remember the wins and all the good times that it's brought. And and like I said, I listened to that podcast yesterday, and I could just hear all those guys smiling.
0: It was – it's tough to explain what it's like to be in that room with all – well, first of all, you feel small. Like, first of all, like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, any one of these people could just snap me in half if they want to. But then you get past that, and you're like, okay, I'm the only one who brought my coffee in a jar. Like, it's kind of in that same vein. But then you move on to, like, they are – They are just crucial pieces to this storyline that I've been so excited to learn about. You know, I've watched a documentary. I knew about Colorado, Nebraska, that kind of stuff. But to actually be in Nebraska week and have it surrounding me, I came into this being like, oh, yeah, I've seen Cat Grizz in Montana. Like, people hate each other. People don't hate each other like this. Like, I don't know what Ohio State, Michigan's like or any of that, but it's just tough to believe that this could go any further than it has.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great rivalry. Also another thing that was great from that show was when Daniel Graham like talked about his birthday party. Yes, yes. <laughs> like you could just tell <laughs> that was a party. Yeah. I was I was uh, laughing listening to that because you could hear them all like giggling. Like, know, like, I- you got like these big <laughs> football players and they're all like giggling about this probably insane party they had.
0: Yeah, and and they're giggling like 10 minutes after we had just gotten off the phone with Gary Barnett their yes, coach at the right, time right. and so there's still like this vibe like you could hear what they're talking about like should we really be saying that we did this like we just talked to coach coach would be so disappointed he's gonna come back and listen to this he's gonna know and it's it, they sounded like college kids they did they,
1: they sounded like college kids it took them back it, it did totally took them back speaking of um partying and being hung over apparently a story came out this morning um, there's this new series on Bleacher Report called uh, I think Untold Stories of the NFL or something, Ooh. and I haven't watched it yet. But the first one is apparently about uh, Clinton Portis being super hungover during a game in his rookie year with the Broncos, which is not a surprise. Not at
0: all. Not at all. Um, yeah. No, that's something that I would expect. I feel like that happens more than we recognize, though, or more than th- we admit. I you think, f-
1: and it's even it's even amplified in college football. Like, I think fans want to believe that every player cares as much about the team and the games as much as they do, and in a diff- in, in, in a certain way, they care a lot more. But in other ways, like it's, like, it's not as intense as you think. Like, they're not thinking, like, ah, it's Thursday night, I don't know, we play on Saturday, can I really go out, like, especially in college?
0: Exactly, like, having recently been a college kid, you never think more than... Fifteen, sixteen hours in advance, and that's a lot. Like anything that's like a full day in advance, you're like, oh, why would we, why would that even cross my mind right now?
1: But I'm like far enough removed from it now, where like, like I am believing that like the football players at CU this week are saying like. I have to be all game all the time yeah like like I've forgotten what it was like to be there when you're like oh it's not like that so now I'm back to like being a fan that's like no these guys are going to sleep every night at 10 p.m (laughs) they're getting there they're in their they're in their playbook and they're Mm -hmm. not worrying about anything else girls nope nothing no
0: and and talking to McChesney after the show was done I, I stayed around and talked to him for probably an hour after and we talked about a bunch of different stuff but one of the things he mentioned was like these guys, they're super talented and some of them rely on their talent and if they actually put in the work, you know, put in all the extra time, don't just do what the coaches tell you to do, then that's how you make the jump to the NFL. That's how you become a good enough prospect. So we had that kind of talk, but it's in that same vein where, from the outside, you look at these kids and say, you have such a great opportunity to turn football into a career. Why not just spend, like, another hour in the gym? Like, like why not? But then having, like, a year ago, if I were in their shoes, I would just be like, there's also all this other stuff. Like, I am the star of this campus in Boulder. Like, how do you not take advantage of
1: that? It's a it's a crazy thing. It, it is. It's different. But it's different. part of what makes college football so great. Like, it's so imperfect. Yeah. They aren't pros. And some of them carry themselves like pros, and I think this would be a good segue into the next thing that we're talking about. But, like, they they're... Truly amateurs; they truly have a whole lot of other stuff going on in their lives. Whereas in the NFL, you pretty much is all football all the time for those guys. And the guys who aren't that way are gone. They're gone fast. Like that's one of the crazy things that I've learned uh, about the NFL. One is that not everyone is all in. You would think, like, once you get here, you Uh, would you would want to just be like, oh my god, I I've done it. I can make a career out of football. I'm gonna be a millionaire from playing a game. And some guys just simply don't have it, and you learn that. And all I, of those – like, so far, I've I've seen dozens of those guys come through the Broncos. All of them are gone.
0: Yeah. In their defense, you know, they are asked already to do, like, their six, seven hours every day of football. Maybe even more, like, meetings, practices, mandatory lifts. That wears you down. Putting in the extra hours, even though it's easy to say, like, why don't you just do it, that's a lot of time that you're committing. I mean, you have the full offseason. You have all these reasons, like – still not an excuse but that's what's going on in their head i feel like but
1: like you get to be rich by playing that would football. be so nice
0: that i
1: <laughs> i'd be down to be rich and all you have to do is just like <laughs> work really hard
0: and not even like again work really hard for 9 months and then in the off season you get your load cut in half like then you're just like maintaining just like rehabbing shape. that kind of stuff and then get ready to do it again and then you retire at what 32 33
1: Exactly. Well, we talked about how these guys – can I segue up? <laughs> yeah, go ahead and I, segue I'm one. still not good at the segues. I'm still working on that. <laughs> talked about how some of these guys are amateurs and who's absolutely acting like amateurs this week. <laughs> See, this is guy. what happens when you transition. <laughs> it's it's a little bit rough, a, a little bit
0: harsh. Um, anybody f- in particular who strikes you as an amateur?
1: Scott Frost. Yeah, I was hoping that's where we were going. Scott Frost yep. is yep. – a petulant child. Like, how does he not have a, a handle on this team? <sighs> so many questions. I've seen a lot of bad coaches. Like, up close and personal, I've seen mm. bad football coaches. And Scott Frost obviously did a fantastic job at UCF. But, man, is he did, is he showing me the signs of a bad coach in, in a bad way? Uh in so many ways and you know we've talked about all the things
0: that he said you know the ex-rivals trying to drum up hype for the game in that way we've talked about all the things all the players have said from like lincoln being a better place to live than boulder i'm so I'm, i thank god that i i left colorado like that kind of stuff he's like okay this isn't even true there's all the talk
1: like imagine saying thank god i left colorado for lincoln nebraska <laughs> Oh my goodness! And that's probably why that kid didn't
0: get recruited by the Buffs. Well, no, like, he did. Oh, he really? Did. Yeah, okay. he did. He oh, was, yeah, he took a visit, didn't he? Right, he, he was yeah. high on
1: there, li- and that's what he said. He's like, "Yeah, I took a visit, and I ended up coming here. Thank God I came here. Like, s- thank God you went to Nebraska so you could be part of the legacy of like the worst stretch in program history."
0: Knowledge with an N. That's what that's what he was dropping right there.
1: <sighs> so, I mean, between that, <laughs> you've got uh, you've got some idiot saying there's a target on their heads. Like, how tone deaf are you? Oh my goodness. I know it's, it's, it's absurd. Like, not like even imagine tar- it's that's, 2019.
0: Does he, does he think that's the saying like target on the back? You get away with like, that's a phrase still like saying they took out one of our guys. There's a target on their backs. Like if this was the NFL, they'd be staring at that guy the entire game waiting for a dirty hit so they could find him, suspend him something. I don't know if that's something that happens.
1: You get ejected in, in this game. If you yeah. do that, yeah. Uh, the only, like, I need to hear the full clip because the only thing I could think of that led him to say that was, like, the question was, like, is there a target on their backs after what happened to Martinez? And he's like, oh, there's a target on their heads. Whew. Like, clever. You, in 2019. You don't say that. In football, in the climate that we're in, where everyone wants, Ugh. you know, the game to be safer. And, it's, and it is really scary in a lot of ways how unsafe it oh, can seriously. be. Seriously. This dude's talking about putting a target on their heads.
0: My goodness.
1: And... And and I said this last night. I was on the free balling podcast, which was a lot of fun and a lot um, more inappropriate than this podcast.
0: We're so appropriate here.
1: Um, like CSU looked like absolute pros compared to these guys. They like did. Bobo had them carrying themselves like a team who had a chance in the game.
0: There is like after the game though when he went in on the refs, he took that a little too far.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's bull crap. And yeah, the refs when when they had the home refs, it certainly didn't help them.
0: They've been losing quite a bit. The last two
1: times, I think, that it's been CSU, it's been Mountain West refs that they've gotten blown out. So, um, that, that was a bad look. But, like, leading up to the game, oh you didn't goodness. have, like, no. any CSU players talking about how they're going to go out. Maybe it's because they've just gotten if, whipped enough.
0: Because it's a really bad look to say all that and then get beat. And Nebraska, I mean, is this a 50-50 game? We can talk about the odds later, but this is going to be a tight game. Either team can win. Colorado State, we kind of knew what was going to happen. It was going to take something pretty crazy happening for CSU to be able to back up anything they said.
1: This reminds me of uh, when I went to Santa Clara for Super Bowl 50. Hmm. And the Panthers were there for the first time. And the Broncos, it was their second time in three years being at the Super Bowl. And when you went to a Broncos press conference, you heard this quiet confidence love that phrase they were really uh uh, they were very much in belief of what they were doing they trusted the coaching staff uh and the game plan and they trusted their leadership and Peyton and DeMarcus Ware and then you go over to a Panthers press conference and these guys are just running their mouths yeah and Cam Newton has this like sly smirk on his face the whole time love that guy not that week I didn't, but I love that guy. I used to, until that week where huh. I saw, like, oh, wow, he was just completely not mentally prepared for this the biggest game of his life. Yeah. Um, he's, like, got this little smirk on his face the whole time. Josh Norman is talking about, like, to me specifically, he, like, went off about I, – I asked him if they were worried about covering Demarius Thomas because they had struggled with oh big boy. receivers that year. And he was like, why would I be scared of Demarius Thomas? Do you realize our defense? And – in the end, they actually did a really good job containing Damaris Thomas in that game. But still, <laughs> it was like this weird cockiness mm-hmm. that I didn't – it just didn't seem warranted. And it and it was very – like it, it was – I don't know if the word is unsettling because I didn't care how they were. But it was like, oh, these guys over here, the Broncos, they're prepared while these guys are trying to like talk their way into it.
0: And that kind of goes back to what McChesney and them were saying yesterday. You know, the reason they hated Nebraska so much – it, it all stemmed from respect. It all stemmed from them being like, if we don't spend every single second we can thinking about this game this week, they're going to they're gonna beat the hell out of us because they are that good. They are that good. You know, Nebraska doesn't seem to have that same vibe where it's built off of this is a really good football team and it'd feel really good to
1: beat them. They want to say this is a bad football team, so we're going we're gonna to take them by 20 it's very odd, and it it and it makes Nebraska come off as the team that's down in this series, forty nine to nineteen. It like, does. It, it makes them it, it, like it would almost be understandable if this is what the Buffs were doing. Like, I imagine when Bill McCartney took a, a struggling program and was like, "We hate those guys now," I imagine that they were like trying to feign hate. They were trying yep. to like build it up in their heads and talk themselves into how much they hated Nebraska, and eventually it worked. But like. Now there's like this weird reverse thing going on where it seems like Nebraska is trying to talk themselves into hating CU.
0: Yeah, it's it's B- but back when McCartney did it, it was political. Like you saw what they were trying to do. You saw that they were just trying to build this rivalry and you have to put a little extra into it the first couple years to get it going and then you then you treat it like a real rivalry. Treat
1: it with respect, you gotta all beat that kind him, of stuff. to them, honestly. You
0: got to beat them. But I don't know what Nebraska's trying to gain here. I mean I guess now if they say like this isn't a rivalry why are we even doing this like we're we're it's not going to be a close game and then they do beat them by 20
1: maybe that's a bigger bump in the in the like standings like in the rankings no, I
0: don't I don't know what their plan is I,
1: I don't either and to me it just comes off as a coach a head coach who is letting his emotions get the best of him like he's very he, like he's very clear in my opinion he's very clearly upset over the way things went in last year's game mm-hmm. um, his his you know return home, the prodigal son yeah uh, had his debut spoiled by the buffs, and it feels like he is projecting this onto the team because the team is always going to be a reflection of their head coach yep. and, and it feels I can only imagine that he is projecting this onto the team and they are then projecting it into the media, whereas Mel, which we haven't even, uh, talked about Mel yet. Is doing the exact opposite, and it gets me so fired up as a fan because you know what? The truth is, I'd be fired up either way if the buffs were talking all this smack. (laughs) I would be, I would be, but you see, the team come out and just carry themselves like pros. You do, and I just I got this like Patriots vibe.
0: We have talked a lot about that Patriot. I mean, he worked with Nick Saban. He worked with Bill Belichick. Like that is in all phases of Mel Tucker, like who he is. Pretty much those two guys, like, in the schemes he runs, and the way he runs his team, his, well, like, CEO
1: approach. Isn't quiet confidence exactly how you would describe Mel Tucker's demeanor? Yes! Yes! And, yes! And so, seeing the team now reflect that is, like, such a comforting feeling. Now, if they go get their tails kicked on Saturday, well, I'm going to be pissed off. But the The way that they're carrying themselves going into this game is so rewarding as a fan and as a alum and all Mm -hmm. this stuff because it's like wow,
0: just high roading. We
1: exactly we look like the big brother to Nebraska now.
0: We do, yeah.
1: Uh, Also, this is where I was trying to get with the
0: Scott Frost thing. He's kind of the amateur. Like, there's all the talk and stuff, but also last week he has the running back Maurice Washington, who gets caught with child pornography and scott frost holds him out of the first half of the game
1: and then throws him in when the game is tight in the second half you know what this reminds me of like you could stiff a waiter or Mm -hmm. you could tip them one cent and like it's almost like tipping them one cent is more disrespectful yeah to me scott frost is spending this kid for a half is, like, more disrespectful to the situation than if he just would have not suspended him at all.
0: Yeah, well, I just watched that, uh, The Gospel According to Mac again, because it's incredible, and how do you not watch that during Nebraska Week? Especially when you're having Mike Pritchard and all of them around, like, you gotta, you gotta see it all. But in that documentary, in that 30 for 30, McCartney's talking about how he had the no tolerance policy. You get arrested, you get suspended for a game, you get arrested a second time, you're out for the season. doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter about any of that kind of stuff. That's not what we saw from Scott Frost. He just threw Maurice Washington back in that game after one half. Like I said,
1: amateur hour. Amateur like, hour. It, it truly is with him, and and I love seeing it because <laughs> it's it, it, to me it's it just is a sign of more bad Nebraska football ahead. But man, I mean that whole situation, which I don't even want to go too far down that road. But it's just yeah. It, it, it's hard, to ima- it's hard to imagine like how I would feel if that was the Buffs. And, and every school has probably played a guy when they shouldn't have and sure. and has pulled the like innocent until proven guilty card. It just seems like in this situation, it's a bit more sensitive. Yeah. And you should maybe consider just saying, like, we're going to sit him down until the legal process plays itself out.
0: Well, and, like, it's definitely more sensitive than most college football arrests just because of, like, the nature of what – allegedly happened, but they didn't really play the innocent until proven guilty charge. I mean, they played a bad football team last week that they should have beat, and so Scott Frost benched him. The court date, the next court date is September 3rd. So like we're still waiting. to Go through that if you're, they're doing the. Well, innocent then that p- got
1: put. That got pushed back because September third already passes oh, by, really? and so they got it pushed oh, back. I wonder again. maybe it happened. Oh yeah, I don't know. It got pushed back. Oh,
0: did it? Yep. So so they could have waited until he's proven guilty and then said, okay, now we're going to do something. But they tried to get the suspension out of the way when they were playing a worse team than the teams they have down the stretch, and when that didn't go well, or maybe maybe the plan was a half game suspension, and that's just a bad plan. But when it didn't go well,
1: they put him back on the field. The whole thing is ugly. It's ugly. For Nebraska. It's and, ugly. And they, it's given CU fans a lot of ammunition or any team that's going to play them a lot of ammunition it for has. this week. Um, but, yeah, like you wanted to talk about Steven. And I thought, like, he, again, reflection of the head coach. And then, and then, the, and then it goes down the line, right? The quarterbacks will be a reflection of the head coach. Yep. The teams will be a reflection of the head coach. And the team is going to be a reflection of their quarterback, just kind of like I was talking about with the Broncos. in that Super Bowl and Peyton Manning, like they were a reflection of him.
0: Is there a better guy to reflect than Peyton Manning? Like, Certainly. the way he handles the media is perfect.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a, the best ever. He's maybe the that. best.
0: And I talked about this on the last podcast, but Stephen Montez in that press conference was so impressive. Like, that tiny little jab. They're talking enough for the both of us. That's... What an incredible little line just to throw it back at them a tiny bit. But what else was he supposed to say? Like, it's not like you can tone it down much more than that when they're talking so much,
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess he could say, like, I don't, I, have, I don't even hear them. Like, I'm so laser focused on this. But th- that would be a better. lie. That would be a lie. Right. Yeah. What he said was was perfection. It was perfect. He was perfect throughout that, throughout that
0: podcast. And then when he got the question, who was the better team last year, Nebraska or Colorado? Just pause for a couple seconds. Then say, I don't know. You guys, the ones who watched all the games last year, you tell me so simple and there was so a com-
1: simple. And, and and to be completely honest there was a combination of Nebraska losing the game and the Buffs winning it uh, like it's they ga- they gave away some serious opportunities to win the yep. game but then the Buffs also took their opportunity to go they ahead and win the game
0: they definitely did you know uh this game is just going to be something else that's what it comes back to like having having these two teams play again this year after the way it went last year Uh, Hopefully you guys will be joining us out at the tailgate on Franklin Field, uh, BSN-BST combo tailgate.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, We'll be there all year with those guys, so uh, it's right there on Franklin Field, as close as you can possibly tailgate to the stadium. Uh, Blake Street Tavern will have their food, uh, they'll provide alcohol, it's a really great tailgate, it's a fun place to be out there right on Franklin, and um, you guys are welcome to join us there.
0: Do you know if there will be any Breck Brews? I guess
1: you'll have to come and find out.
0: I guess so. I sure hope so, though, because Breckenridge Brewery is the original Colorado beer. Uh, As you guys have probably
1: heard, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. Um, Here's the thing, though. I think we're going to have to avoid the Strawberry Sky this week because the can is red. Is, uh, so, we're gonna to, <laughs> so we're just gonna have to go with some of their many other uh, great beers they've got the are. summer pills they've got the breck lager like they've got so many good stuff in the in the new colorado core we just have to avoid the red can uh, it is it is a shame but we can get back to drinking strawberry sky next week
0: yep next week next week can we can can you though like everybody talks about this red thing like it's i think we got even some comments saying you know reds all year no red you don't wear red are we just like throwing an exception out there for Strawberry Sky?
1: Yeah, I mean you can't you can't. You just, can drink red. You can drink Strawberry Sky because it's incredible. Just not this week. Just not this week. This week. I d- I, I uh believe in the in the folks who say like no no red ever. Like I respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my high school was red, which always made that really hard. In Boulder. Yep. Yeah. I I mean I guess like and and when the
0: rivalry starts, they aren't gonna change the school's colors
1: to fit. Right, University. and you, what makes it even um, funnier is that Bill McCartney's son is the head oh. coach of the team, oh, really? of the team, yeah. Oh,
0: really? Oh, that's incredible. Um, make sure that you're checking the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We have events, we have watch parties, we have the bar crawl, uh, all sorts of different stuff on there. So keep an eye out. Uh, RSVP, we're going to be drinking a lot of Breck beers at those, and hopefully you guys will come talk some buffs. Hey, guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I am sitting with Ryan Königsberg, uh former leader of BSM Buffs, now BSM Broncos, all sorts of stuff. Do we do we do all these introductions in every segment here? Hey, I'll it's always the take radio. the radio. Inter- yeah. I'll always take the introduction. Okay, then we'll do more what introductions. What else do you like about me? Um, you have great hair. Thank the beard you. is very well maintained Thank and it bounces like the I'm, short on the sides, short through
1: like the middle of the beard then longer on the chin matching the longer on top. Just a clean look. Thanks, man. You know, uh I'm actually going to the barbershop today. Uh. Gotta look good. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, you you want to look good and, and take Nebraska out and treat them well before we do what we're about to do to them.
0: And what is that?
1: Win, <laughs> win, win. You know what? Um, I, I said this again on free ball and last night. I left the game against CSU feeling very uneasy about this game this week. Like as I was walking out of the stadium, I was like, "F." Yeah, we've got a long ways to go, and the truth is, they really do.
0: They definitely do, and they admit that.
1: But then I woke up on Saturday morning, a a brisk 9.30 a.m., and turned on Nebraska versus South Alabama. And I left that game feeling like – I went into the game thinking, okay, Buffs' uh, close win is still on the table. I left that game being like, ooh, Buffs' blowout is actually on the table. It is definitely
0: on the table. And then you hear the Nebraska fans say, well, we're playing South Alabama. We weren't showing anything. This is all vanilla. But the Buffs weren't showing anything at all either. They played in that base defense. They played a very vanilla offense. LaVisca Chenault played half the offensive snaps.
1: I was, like, frustrated during the game. I'm like, why is LaVisca off the field? Why is LaVisca... I know. Every
0: time. Every time. And I pointed out. I was sitting next to Justin, too. I'd be like, LaVisca's on the bench. Do you think he's all right? And then he walks back in the next play. Because that's just what you expect from LaVisca. For him to be on the field every single snap. And so anytime he's off... Every time, every single time, I was like, oh, God, I hope he's all right. I really hope that he is all right.
1: Yep, and then they only used really – they used actually two plays of the LaVisca-Chenault lexicon, which was one, the end around on fourth and two, Mm -hmm. which actually, like, conventional wisdom would say don't run an end around on fourth and two. But
0: but conventional wisdom is also give the ball to LaVisca-Chenault in in any clutch situation.
1: Okay, in space Imagine like Imagine trying to tackle him. When he has a head of steam, like even if you get someone in the uh, backfield on that play, there's still a really good chance he breaks that tackle, and
0: because is, by letting him run around like behind the quarterback, he's getting three, four steps to get up to full speed, turn that corner, plant his face mask into somebody's chest, and that's two, two yards easy. Yard, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So, anyways, they used that one, and then the play action, uh, yep, touchdown yep. was so beautiful. What a well designed oh. play, and I almost had a heart attack because. Uh, I'm a I'm a Steven Montez defender. He almost missed that throw. Like He did. I mean, it's LaVisca, not an easy throw. You're rolling left, throwing across your body, but he was... LaVisca was wide open, and I was like, oh yep. my god, Steven, please don't miss this LaVisca throw. said after
0: the game he didn't think he was going to get there. He said when he was chasing that down he, he didn't think he had a chance. <laughs> then he grabs the it, fact that he, dives, and throws it. Uh.
1: The fact that he makes this fingertip grab, and then in one motion still <laughs> holds onto the ball and extends it <laughs> over the pylon, like that's that's just... How many NFL it, players can do that? Very few. How
0: many could even make the catch?
1: Very... I mean, more. More. More but, for sure. But, but the fact that in one motion, he makes a very difficult grab and then has the wherewithal to extend it over the pylon is just unbelievable.
0: We are so lucky. We are so lucky to get to see him play. And that's what that's what my frustration stemmed from. It yeah. wasn't that I thought,
1: you know, if you don't use LaVisca
0: Chanel, you're going to lose this football game. No. I just wanted to see him play.
1: Yep. The, the videos from warm-ups like he looks like obj oh, that was the best part of the day for me to be <laughs>
0: honest like i got to like stand up there like next to vaughn miller and bradley chubb and phil Lindsay and hear what they're talking about which is cool i got to like see what Bowl were they Bowl. talking about um nothing really <laughs> they like th- i was just interested to see like you know vaughn brought his fiance out there and like Phil like walks over and like gives her a hug. Just like all those little relationship things. You're like, right. oh, you guys, you guys are like close. You got, you know. Mm-hmm. And just seeing all these, I don't know who everybody interacts with. Like Monte Morris and his crew. They like greet Bull Bull, They're like, hey, you know that kind of stuff is really cool. Watching the game is really cool. Watching Ralphie's really cool. Sitting at the back of the end zone for an hour while they throw balls up to Lavisca Chenault and he just like starts doing three sixties and just grabs it. From a random angle, no look with one hand, and then just starts like shaking his hand around and the ball's just stuck in there. And KD was doing some of that stuff too. He was like 75, 80% on those one handed grabs, but
1: super underrated play of the game was Dimitri Stanley's one handed catch. Yes. First of all, yes. perfect throw for Montez. Like it went into like an, a non existent window and just stuck to Dimitri Stanley's hand.
0: Yeah, and you you do you knew it was going to be a perfect throw for Montez because it was such a difficult throw. If that have been like a wide open Dimitri Stanley it
1: might get spiked in the dirt, yeah, he needs to work on that it's it's frustrating, it is frustrating, but he he it's so obvious for him it's it's mental stuff, just he has to know to set his feet before he throws the ball.
0: The it, it, back foot passes are just like, frustrating.
1: There was one I think it was like third and three, and it was like a little out pattern, and he just threw it off his back foot and spiked it, and I was just like, ah Steven,
0: there's no reason.
1: Anyways. There's no reason. Make everything as easy as you can for yourself. Anyways. South Alabama and Nebraska. They scored zero. Zero offensive points in the second half against South Alabama. They uh they won by two touchdowns. And they had three weird touchdowns. They had three weird touchdowns. Return touchdown, interception, return touchdown, like Scoop and score. And their fans are saying like, God, I hate their stupid fans. <laughs> their fans are saying like our defense was amazing on the day. Like, w- watch out. Like, we're going to shut down your offense. I'm like, not nah, really. Like, you did have the Five two turnovers. Big plays. Yeah, Five you, turnovers. But you're playing South Alabama. Like, a cor- the quarterback <laughs> w- wasn't even seeing the field. My Grizzlies
0: would beat that South Alabama team. I'll tell you that right now.
1: South Alabama, one of my buddies has, like, a model where he, like, uses all these different things to rank uh-huh. all the teams. He had them 128th out of 130 teams. Seems generous. <laughs> so, like, their quarterback <laughs> – was he got blindsided hit for a fumble twice, where mm-hmm. he just didn't have he just didn't have the clock, and and they still they still scored twenty one points, and I think they had uh at least one turnover down deep in the red zone. Like Nebraska very well could have lost that game.
0: I legit thought that Southern Alabama was an FCS school. It wasn't until I like googled them and I was like, oh really? They're yeah. they're FBS. They're any I mean. That's just still crazy to me. They win by two touchdowns. They get the fluky touchdowns. They get five turnovers. You still only pull out a fourteen point win.
1: o I mean, Martinez looked terrible. Like he did. You want to talk about Steven Montez? Martinez look, uh, look like pretty much the Heisman hype is gone for him. It has
0: to be. Like he was missing passes. He had. He and was I, running around. He was getting sacked.
1: Yeah. And I and I fully expect him to play better um, this week. I know he has it in him. I mean. I I knew it early in that game last year, like, oh, this kid's legit. Mm -hmm. Um, But, man, he missed some open dudes in the seam. He missed some throws to the outside. He got picked uh, at least once. Like, the the overall performance from him was really, really ugly.
0: Yeah, not impressive at all. You know, when they did throw Maurice Washington in there, though, he had something like six carries for 39 yards. But, again – that Nebraska offensive line should be pushing around Southern Alabama. Yeah. Like that's those are great numbers. The average is very good, but now they have to play a real defensive line. And the Buffs defensive line obviously, you know, it it didn't play great last
1: week. There's a good stat in the uh in uh the media guide for this week which was that if you take away the end around – because the Dante Wright end around was like a 38-yard touchdown or something like that. And then there was one other long run that CSU had, and it was like if you take that out, they actually averaged 2.9 yards per carry. So the defensive line actually wasn't bad.
0: Yeah. It's more – it was surprising to me that they couldn't generate more pressure. That was the frustrating part because Mustafa Johnson, one of the best in the Pac-12 generating pressure. You have – you know, Alex Changham, you have uh, Terrence Lang. Like, these are guys who are pass rushing specialists who are now a year more experienced, and they're still young guys. Same with Carson Wells. But you're putting guys who, when you're concerned about their game on this defensive line, you're worried about their run stop stopping ability. Like, they've been the pass rushers for the last year. Like, that should have been the strength.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, that was a concern. Uh Of course, until the end when they almost killed Colin Hill, Whew. thought I actually thought he might have been dead,
0: yeah, I was down on the field right behind the uh end line for that one, and it was loud that hit that's exactly what I was going to say i Thank goodness it was pads that were cracking right there because I wasn't sure
1: yeah, and then and then Mustafa Johnson gets a touchdown. It's like two guys who actually played pretty poorly, Van Diesten and, and Mustafa get some nice stats there, yeah the <laughs> they, end of the they game. do, they um, do that's football. That is football. Especially as a pass rusher. Run right. good play and your day changes. Very true. So they need, they definitely need to do a better job. But also, Martinez is one of those guys where you don't want to get – it's weird. Like you don't want to get too, too much pressure. You look yeah. at like what the Broncos did last year to Russell Wilson in week one. Mm-hmm. It was not all about just get pressure, get pressure, get pressure. It was – Contain. Contain.
0: Build a pocket for him. Right. They had, Because he's not going to pick his
1: defense apart. Instead of having Vaughn, and I guess back then it would have been DeMarcus Sh- Shane. Oh, yeah. Instead of trying to get those two guys around the outsides, they actually had Derek Wolf and Gotzes or Shelby Harris, set the edges on the outside and then had Vaughn go up the middle to try and take away the scrambling lanes for, mm-hmm. for Russell Wilson. Like That was actually an absolute genius plan for Joe Woods, who didn't have too many of those. Um <laughs> That's what I would like to see from, from these guys. Like, don't just try to pin your ears back and get around the edge. Try and make sure that he South Alabama did a really good job. They got sacks by him trying to scramble out of the pocket and running into the arms of guys who were there.
0: Yeah, and I like, you know, JD Spielman at receiver, I guess. But but I'm not overly impressed with any of their passing game. When mm-hmm. you take away Martinez's legs. Like the receivers. Yeah. Sure. The the Adrian Martinez's ability to pass, thought it would be better. Now it kind of looks terrible. It looks like he's one of the worst in the – I guess he's not in the Pac-12. He would be. Where would he rank among Pac-12 quarterbacks? He'd be, like, bottom three after last week.
1: Well, the way he looked last week. Again, I'm expecting exactly. him to, to improve because I know he, he's capable of better than that. He
0: is. But if he doesn't improve this week and you're able to take away his legs,
1: that offense does not scare – me at all who's the guy running things now at UCF is it Hi- Heifel? Uh, what's his name Heifel? Josh Heifel? is that a, who? who's their coach I don't know I don't know anyways it, it's like it's kind of uh those guys are still rolling like they haven't missed a beat it is Josh Heifel. Josh Heifel. okay they haven't missed a beat since Scott Frost left meanwhile Things aren't looking so great in Nebraska 4 and 8 and then a ugly offensive performance against South Alabama. Uh I know I've seen some CU, some CU fans say this, so it's not a completely original thought on my part, but are they in a Dan Hawkins situation over there? Because this is exactly what happened w- with CU. They thought they got the guy who was who was the mastermind at Boise. Then all of a sudden he leaves, Boise only gets better, and CU never n- you know, hits their stride at all under Dan Hawkins. No. You're getting y- a little bit of those vibes, getting a little Dan Hawkins vibes from Scott Frost.
0: And it's still early and it's year 2 in the scheme and they have a young quarterback. Like
1: here's here's what I'll say. I keep saying I expect better from Adrian Martinez. I truly don't expect better from Scott Frost. Like I actually think he sucks.
0: <laughs> I mean, sure?
1: Yeah, I mean, I
0: could definitely see it. At the same time though, like you just got to wait. It's, 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 there's still more time before, before they figure it out. Um, you know, something that I thought was really interesting from Omaha.com, they took a deep dive into, I think it was the 65 power five teams and looked into turnover stats over the last 15 seasons and found that. Basically, Nebraska's gotten more bad breaks than any other Power 5 team. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> but, but, but stuff like, when you, when you look at their fumble recovery rate, it's, it's absurdly low. Like, a third of the next worst. And all these things that say, like, Nebraska should have been winning more games in the past, but just, like, the turnovers,
1: it's, it, I don't know. It's
0: an interesting thing. You can find it on Omaha.com if you want to read it. But that's just weird.
1: It's like, probably because they did a deal with the devil to be good for all those years. I'm, and now <laughs> it's finally coming back to get them.
0: Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I, that's definitely it.
1: I'm so disinterested in the, the luck statistics. Like, Good teams make their own luck. Like The Broncos in 2015, they had a lot of bounces go their way, but that's because their defense was dominant. Like Things just happen for you when you're good, and when you're bad, exactly. things don't happen for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally totally true. But at the same time, like, balls on the ground. They don't pick it up. Like, this says of course, Omaha.com that it's actually been like fluky bad. Like, when you compare their turnover margin they've been to like other teams, they've outplayed their turnover margin in terms of wins more than any other team. Like I, I don't know. Good. Well, I hope they well, I'm I hope dig they into continue this. to have really bad luck this I'm week. Gonna, I'm going to dig into this more tomorrow week. because there are some interesting numbers in here. But
1: I just want to bring it up. Yeah, you can talk about that on your own because I'm completely uninterested in it.
0: They recovered 34% of opponents' fumbles. Fifth worst was like 41%.
1: Well, just be bad. Like Maybe that's I know, a talent I know. problem. Like is When it... you have talented players, they're the ones that are causing turnovers and recovering them.
0: Maybe. Average recovery rate is 50%.
1: <laughs> I, don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's
0: just such a weird time, though, for Nebraska football because they are trying to get back into that option offense that – they went away from for a few years under the last head coach. And it's like trying to get back into the 90s, the 80s, when they were good, when they were running the option, when Scott Frost was playing football there. All these kinds of things. It's all based on nostalgia, all based on this vibe that they're bringing back. And you see it in the media too. When like, does
1: that ever work? Has anyone ever like tried to recapture the old glory days and actually pulled it off? Like... L- l- the. Like, like Kansas State brought back Bill Snyder, and, like, he made them uh, better again. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just – it. I think there's so many cases of, like, this is what we are, and it just – I don't think that's ever uh, that good of an idea. Like, yeah, I saw the Bucs I mean, fail miserably trying to do that. Yeah. You know, they tried to bring back John Embry, and, and Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator, and they're like, we're going to run power football, and, you know, we're going to, like – it just – it, that type of stuff is i think it, it's it's easy when the when you're in the moment to try and say like oh well everyone's going to love it if we do this uh i just think rarely does it actually work
0: yeah obviously Where, scott w- frost was like
1: w- everyone thought it was a home run hire so i'm not saying like they like they didn't reach nearly as much as the buffs did to try and go back into history but i don't know i think maybe they didn't they didn't do as much research on scott frost as maybe they should have
0: where it does work though is like reinvigorating the fan base. Like, totally pulling all a, them together. To their credit, they don't really need to be no, reinvigorated. Like, that's they're, true. That's they're true. Always there. But when you can create that atmosphere again, like that's got to help with recruiting. When you're when you're telling recruits like, "Hey, we're go- we're trying to turn things around," not a great pitch. But when you say, "Here's what we're doing," we're, we're bringing we're, we're bringing we're going back to that. That is exactly what we're doing right there. And here's how we're doing it: we're bringing people from there. We're having the fans treat it like that situation. We're bringing back that offense, all these sorts of things. Uh, I and mean, look
1: at the fact that Nebraska is ranked in the top twenty-five right now. Yeah, like that is a per, as a byproduct of people being like, well, Scott Frost is a good coach, and Adrian Martinez had a good freshman season. And they're going to do and, and what and they were ne- doing. And they're Nebraska, so they yep. got to come back around at some point. Yep. It's silly, and I mean, I'm so happy that they stayed in the top twenty-five this week because it just makes it better uh, if we go and beat them. But. It it, it it there's totally something to be said for it, but you have to capture it. Four and eight in, in year one is not capturing it. They got they're getting like the benefit of the doubt this year. I truly hope that they fall on their face and Nebraska fans end up hating Scott Frost because it would just be hilarious.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely on the table, and I don't know what happens to Nebraska after that. Because, you know, they are building around that option offense. That's the recruiting. That's what Adrian Martinez is, an option quarterback who, in theory, can still throw the football. So it's it could work. But if it doesn't work, I don't know how they're going to pull anything together out of the shambles of this.
1: Right. What I noticed in that game the other day is that Adrian Martinez is obviously, you know, a talented player. Um, they have Maurice Washington, who seems like a pretty talented running back. I don't know how good the overall talent is on that team, and I think that's that's the problem for that team. I I agree. I think and so. Then it's, 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 it's the same can be said for the Buffs. Like De- definitely. Like you can totally say that. Hey, uh, Lavisca Chennault's amazing, and you have some other good top level players, and then the rest of the team is is questionable.
0: Yeah, you can. Where where Buffs fans should be excited, though, is that they're, they're generally fairly deep at those positions. You know, John Van Deest looks like he's locked down the starting inside linebacker job, but behind them at inside linebacker, behind him and Nate uh, Landman, you have Akil Jones and Josh Allen. You look at the defensive line, you know, they're eight or nine deep. And they might not all be guys that you want to be throwing on the field regularly, but you just need two, three, four of those guys to step up and prove that they can, prove that they can like make that jump. Somebody to play. So there are options, and there are young options, and uh, they could be game changers. Mm. Mm. Which reminds me, we need to talk about some game changing coffee. I totally stole that move from AJ. That's it's what a, AJ's okay. doing on the AS podcast. It's a good move. <laughs> it's a good move. Yeah, Um Craft. CBD enriched coffee, and it has changed lives. The reviews are incredible. So you should definitely go and check them out. Uh, If you use code BSN2019, you get 20% off and it will be shipped straight to your door. I know that CBD has helped a bunch of uh, former athletes uh, deal with whatever they're dealing with, whether it's CTE, whether it's back pain, all this sorts of stuff. And if it's good enough for them to do it, I feel like it should be good enough for all of us who didn't take a beating for 15 years to do it as well.
1: Totally, and and, and it helps everyone in different ways, so you kind of have to try it to find out what it might be able to do for you.
0: Yeah, not psychoactive, which is a key point, so it's not going to do that for you, but it will make you feel better. So use code BSN2019, 20% off, get it shipped to your door, check them out. And in this final segment, we want to talk about what, what will determine... The winning team in this game, which Buffs need to perform well for the Buffs to come out on top and finish two and zero in this two year series of the rivalry against Nebraska.
1: Oh man, if the Buffs go the last two years, starting the game against CSU and Nebraska, four and zero in those four games. Honestly, I would say I won't care what happens the rest of the season, but if I said that last year, I would have been lying. So it was. It'll just feel so good, you and know. Then they have, and then all these idiots have to be quiet for. Three whole years before they can start saying anything again. And even when they try and talk in 2023, they won't have much to stand on.
0: No, not at all. It's it's something else. And I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, obviously when you're talking about like bowl eligibility, that kind of stuff, every game counts the same. But when you're talking about kind of the vibe around Boulder toward Mel Tucker. Imagine Mel Tucker
1: starting his career by beating CSU exactly. in Nebraska. Like
0: is this game worth like three is this, is this a difference between, like, the, but the public perspective of Mel, like, similar to what be, like, 4-0 and o
1: versus 1-3, and three, you know? You'll definitely have the attention of the casual fans in Boulder. Yeah. Like, this game is going to take over the town uh, for the next three days. It's all anyone's going to be talking about. Friday night, Stampede in Boulder. Like, mm. you're going to see hundreds of people in red and, and hundreds of people in black and gold. And it's going to have everyone's attention. Then they go out and win, and everyone says, "Oh, Mel Tucker started his career by beating CSU in Nebraska." And the casuals probably don't know that both programs are down right now. Uh, but
0: Nebraska's ranked, right? <laughs>
1: inex- <laughs> inexplicably, inexplicably. Uh, but that will have the attention of the people, and they're saying, "Hey, when's that next? Oh, they're playing Air Force. Oh, that could be fun. Let's go. Let's go check mm-hmm. that out next Saturday afternoon." You know, like th- that has a big. It holds a lot of, uh, of water in that regard. And then, of course, the fans, like, it's similar to Vic Fangio and the fact that, like, Bus fans just want to love Mel Tucker. Like, they have so much love to give. And they're just like, we just want to pour it, uh, you know, all of the love <laughs> out for M- Mel Tucker. And that's exactly how Broncos fans with Vic Fangio. Like, there's so much disdain about the f- previous coaching staff that they're just like Vic. we just want to love you like give, give us wins. something give, give us, us w- something and this will Come be out, beat the raiders and everybody will love you right like there's no way that uh that cu fans aren't just going to be obsessed with mel tucker if he wins this game
0: it's going to be something else i mean there are so many storylines in this nebraska game like mel tucker's relationship with Boulders, one of them LaVisca Chenault, Steven Montez, like every all these guys have so much to gain, so much to lose in this game. Then you throw in that it's a throwback to the nineties, the one of the great college football rivalries. There's just so much happening here. Yeah, there's so much happening here.
1: Really quick, just talking about Mel and and the fan base wanting to love him in the relationship. Uh, Chase Howell, friend of uh, c- friend of the program. Yeah program are you are you guys friends yeah we're friends <laughs> friends, friends of my program All right. <laughs> program uh, um he shared a uh a s- excerpt from mel tucker's podcast which it's kind of dope that the coach has a podcast we That's just got to so get cool. that on the bsn denver podcast network somebody actually just too.
0: tweeted i think it was silver buff just tweeted
1: can we get him on mcchesney unchained Ooh. i was like probably not but yeah well <laughs> we we should definitely try Anyways, he said on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone podcast, Alfred Williams, good guest, told the story of seeing a Nebraska fan holding a sign that read, Where is Sal and Essie now back in 1990? What Mel said back to him, I don't think I'm going to leave the office tonight. How good is that? Oh, it's so great. It's so, that's what you, and we've been in that office. It's a place that you would definitely not have a problem staying in all (laughs) night. No, no.
0: It wouldn't take much to convince me to stay in the night. I mean, there could actually be horrible things happening in that office in I state. Like if, if if they said like office is going to be set to forty degrees, how long are you staying? I'm say hours minimum.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty sweet office. It's 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 an incredible. It would be office. like it would cost like five million dollars if it was an apartment in Boulder. A month. <laughs> Easy. Easy. <laughs> Anyways, you Anyways. you asked who who's gonna have to play well. And obviously you start and end, you could end, with Steven Montez. You could. Um, I feel like
0: you could say the same thing about LaVisca Chenault, too, though. If he just goes off, he go. He he I mean, you, he might need a little help. You, you just force feed him the ball, he does something with it,
1: you win. See, I think it's going to be the opposite, and I think this is going to be really tough for LaVisca this year. Uh, teams are just going to say, like, we're not letting him beat us, and that's what CSU did, and, um, and they didn't let him beat them. The, the good thing for the Buffs is that is their most stacked position. Yep. So... That uh, makes me feel pretty comfortable. I don't have to say that LaVisca Chanel has to have a good game for the Buffs to win. I agree. Uh, Tony Brown, like he is so underrated. People are going to learn about Tony Brown. He's an NFL receiver. He, You think so? Yep. In like a Juwan Winfrey type way? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a high draft yeah. pick or anything, but he is a talented player with great hands and great feet. Who can make NFL plays. Who can make NFL plays. And he had one last week. So they're going to learn about him. Katie – Hardly was involved last week. Well, that's not going to be the case. Dimitri Stanley, you didn't see you know, the flashes that we were kind of expecting to see from him. You don't need LaVisca Chennault to have a good game. You do need uh, Steven to not have a bad game. You do. And so, uh, McChesney was talking about this and, and Pesavento yesterday. He said, I hope they try to pressure him. I really hope that, that and that's what they're saying because there's so many guys out there. If you put them in one-on-one situations, uh, if you put those guys out there in one-on-one situations, they're going to have a lot of chance to make plays. And, and that's what you got to do. If you're bringing pressure, you're counting on your secondary to cover LaVisca Chenault one-on-one or cover Tony Brown one-on-one or cover Katie Nixon one-on-one. And, and I believe in that. So you just need uh, Steven to stay poised. He was very poised last week. Like no one wants to give him credit for I his agree. game. I agree. I very much agree. He took what the defense gave him, which was not very much but that's mm-hmm. fine you end up with you know what twelve or thirteen completions and uh two hundred and sixty or eighty yards and two touchdowns like you should sure. cash that in
0: yeah thirteen to twenty yep nah, there were a couple opportunities where he could push up to fifteen sixteen or twenty and three hundred yards probably yep. and
1: and that would have been a but if they don't just day, pack a Visca, didn't need it which I think is another thing we're gonna have to look out uh, for this year.
0: That's exactly what was happening. It was just like, yeah, you can pass just, interference downfield. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter. You, it's
1: a fifteen-yard penalty. Right, and that is frustrating about college football. It is. It's a bad rule. Uh, but you know, like you just have to make sure you lead him because you can't pa- you can't pass interfere from ten yards behind him. And yeah, and, <laughs> and, 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 then, yeah, he, and he, he had yeah. him there. Like Laviska was wide open. He underthrew it, and that's when the guy was just like, I have no chance in this one-on-one ball, like. Let me just hack him, which smart play by the CSU DB. Um, so anyways, you just need him to be poised, and and he showed poise last week.
0: And we want to talk about, or we, we want to see them throw the ball downfield. And this pro-style offense, that's one of the things that was so exciting, like run those 10, 12-yard digs, like that sort of stuff. But if they're blitzing, you got to get the ball out quick, and there's man coverage, this is an offense that's used to throwing the ball short. Like that's what they're good at. You know, you want to put, KD in the slot and have him run a slant with no help in the middle because they're blitzing. He's gonna take that and run. Who knows how far he's gonna run? Like that's that's a huge strength for this team if if they do get blitzed. And if they don't get blitzed, then you have to hope you know do the running backs hold up? You know, let's move on. You know, we've 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 gotten the Steven Montez. I agree that he's one of the guys that really needs to step up this week. I think they need a running back to step up as well. And I'm not sure whether you put that on the running back, or whether you put it on the offensive line, but. They're going to need to establish the running game, and that's tough to do against a Nebraska front seven.
1: Absolutely, yeah. If you can run the ball like you did last week, just put it in the win category now. Yeah. Um, You know, I watched sixty-two thirty-six last night, and it was just like you know, you knew from like very early in the game, like Nebraska. This isn't fluky. Like this isn't like oh, you had a couple big touchdowns early in the game, maybe a pick six, and and like you knew right away. Oh my God. They're putting it to him. They have no chance. Blo- Chris Brown
0: goes for, like, 190-something. Six, six touchdowns. Six touchdowns.
1: Got to mention that. Bobby Purify is just, like, walking for first downs every time he gets yeah, the ball. Yeah, he goes
0: for, like, 150-something. That's so, incredible. I had never seen that game before.
1: Like, I'd seen clips
0: and stuff. Shout out to Silver Buff, by the way, for tweeting yep. that that was coming on because Ryan and I both watched it, and life-changing stuff.
1: It's so good. It's so, so like, good. If you can just establish the run game, like, and, and I think that's what defensive coaches always talk about. Like, you have to stop the run. That's what Mel says. You have to stop the run, because if you can't stop the run, then you're just never going to have success on defense. And That's what that's how I think about uh, from an offensive standpoint. If the Buffs can just go out there and run the ball, well, it's going to be really hard for Nebraska to beat them, even with the defensive struggles that the Buffs showed.
0: And even if they can't run the ball all game, like even if it's something where you come out the first couple drives and run the ball down the field, and all of a sudden this defense has to respect the run, that opens up so much
1: room for this receivers. And... I think that's how you can really kickstart this offense. Then I think the other – you have to look to the defensive side of the ball, of course, and just look at that edge. Like uh, Changum and Carson Wells and even the the defensive ends, they really have to contain that edge.
0: They do, and they didn't do that.
1: No, they did a terrible job against against CSU of that. And I actually liked seeing that um, because it was fixable. Like, yep. you're like, oh, okay, they're just making mental errors out there. That's fixable. The and they're w-
0: making such big mental errors that there's no way that that's going to get missed. They're, spe- right, they're, right. they're holding meetings specifically to fix this one thing. Well, they
1: had a meeting at halftime and yeah, it worked yeah, really, really it well. Did. It did. It did. <laughs> and so they they did a much better job in the second half. And, and I talked about this on Freeball on last night. Uh, that was like the whole point of my story about Mel last week was about halftime adjustment. Like, he essentially said, like, Nick Saban's halftime adjustments changed my life. And then in his first game, yep. he went out and had some really great halftime adjustments.
0: He did. And I think that those really are the three big things you have to watch. Can they set the edge? Can they throw the football? And can they get some semblance of a running game to open up that passing game? You may notice that one thing that neither of us have said is that they need to figure out the coverage. Because they, there were so many, I don't know if they were blown coverages or just guys somehow out of position but they give up 500 yards of offense and a lot of
1: those were through the air the frustrating part was the easy play like there were so many easy first downs for csu where it's just like colin hill just sees a wide open receiver in the middle of the field toss it to him 11 yards that stuff does have to get eliminated for sure um the thing is i'm just confident enough in the offense putting up a big number me too that as long as you aren't getting consistently gashed play here and there where there's a miscoverage, which is just going to happen for it, college it, it kids in a new defense, you can live with.
0: And I don't think that Adrian Martinez, based on what we saw last week, is really going to be taking advantage of all those opportunities. You know, you give him an open receiver 10 yards downfield, is he going to hit him
1: uh, in stride, 90% of you know. the
0: time? Is he going to hit him 40% of the time? We don't really know, but it kind of seems like it's going to be a low number. I don't think that Adrian Martinez is just going to pick this defense apart
1: if they are blowing coverages. Where he scares me is with his legs because yep. the one thing—and sorry if I'm being repetitive—if you listen to to free balling as well, but the one thing that scared me was the team speed on defense. Like you, would, guys weren't flying. Even Nate Landman didn't look like he was flying to the ball. It looked mm-hmm. like he was hobbled, or mm-hmm. he didn't look like he was at his best. And we hadn't heard anything about that either. No, which was surprising. Yeah, you didn't see a lot of gang tackling. Uh, Where where the defense is just swarming.
0: Another point that Mel made during that press conference that they said they've talked about. Everybody needs to be going to tackle the ball carrier.
1: So that's the one thing is like I'm afraid. Like last year, I think Martinez had like a 50 yard rushing touchdown just because he got out in space and took off, and there was no one fast enough to catch him.
0: He did, and I think on that play, you know, I I honestly think it was a corner blitz. Oh yeah, Delrick Delrick Abrams. Yep, Delrick had him in the backfield and just missed him, watched him from the from his knees as. He ran fifty yards for a touchdown, and
1: then like front flipped into the end zone. He's an athlete. He is an athlete. That's that's where he scares me. Is like, okay, just make like, are they going to use Davian Taylor as a spy of some sort? I hope so. I think that would be a, a really smart thing to do. Make him beat you with his arm.
0: Make him. Make him. Just set that pocket. You know, give give him a pocket. Don't even try to sack him. Just. Build the pocket for him and collapse. Leave Davion Taylor. Yeah, push it in. See if you can collapse it. Have Davion Taylor wait five yards downfield across from him. Just mirror him wherever he goes. He tries to pick a running lane, bottle him up there. Let him throw the football because there will be turnover opportunities. And this is a playmaking defense
1: with a turnover robe. The turnover. Break out the turnover robe. There's
0: also a havoc belt. It's a belt for like if if there's like a havoc. Yeah, you play. didn't do
1: too great of a job of explaining that in your story. So, what exactly <laughs> is a havoc play?
0: Um, we never really figured that out, to okay. be honest. Okay. But the, but the general idea is that it could be a sack, it could be like like, like that sort of hit. stuff. Big hit. The, the plays that don't turn the ball over, I, I would guess they often force fourth downs. Everybody had to get out of there quickly, so we didn't get to follow up on all the questions we wanted to. So we don't know for sure, but that's the gist. And so I, I never saw it on the sideline. Oh, I mean,
1: was there any havoc plays?
0: How about I, I oh, mean, the, I guess the you get the strip sack. <laughs> but is that a turnover rope situation? I'm, Ooh, that's probably, well, how about you give
1: the it's havoc exactly what I was going to say. Uh, Van Dyece gets the havoc belt. Yep. And Mustafa gets the turnover rope.
0: And we do know that the, I think yeah, the turnover the way rope way goes to the fumble
1: forcer at least but it did. in this case it should be the other way around because that yeah. was havoc it
0: was havoc it was havoc maybe
1: you just get both maybe like you force Ooh. a big fumble you just get both damn what if you get the the trifecta sack strip recovery oh that's actually the quadfecta <laughs> sack strip recovery touchdown you get like a what crown you and like a like some staff. cool shoes
0: yeah i don't know some cool <laughs> shoes Ah. <laughs> uh, do you see? Have you seen the previews of? Because so they're doing like whatever the Pac-12 game day thing from Boulder with the, with the shoes. Yeah, yeah. I had. A, I
1: took exception to KD showing red shoes on there. I did too.
0: Well, and then Lavisca in his press conference saying, you know, I love red. I love wearing red. Uh, this week is hard. Like it's well, it's just hard. You can't expect these guys. Uh, no, no, exactly. To, yeah, anyways. exactly. But those Dolce Gabbana and shoes who was saying, was it, he was the Onu, who,
1: Was it Onu who said, like, oh, I was wearing red on campus on Sunday <laughs> yeah, and someone told me not to do that? It a great story. I told this story on the podcast. But, yeah, like, it's the rivalry
0: needs to come back. You just need, the rivalry you need needs Coach
1: Mack Mac to come in there and, and teach him a lesson, like, before the game.
0: Uh, yes. Yes. Apparently, It doesn't sound like there's been as much of that this year. You know, obviously, like, Hagen talks, but last year before the rivalry, there were more guests coming in talking about what the rivalry means. And I'm not sure if that's, like, the difference in the coaching staffs. Mel Tucker doesn't want to bring in as many people to talk about it or if it's just because they've already done Mel Tucker
1: doesn't it. want them getting too uh, overhyped. Yeah, Like, that's something that I think could be a problem for Nebraska. They're, like, so angry. Yeah. <laughs> that I think they they can, so that, that, that that they can either get, you know draw some fifteen yard penalties or well I uh, mean if they're targets like, on if, on guys' heads like, like, like if I if I'm uh, calling this offense this week the first play is some sort of misdirection because I just feel like they're going to be so hyped up that you can get all of them going one way and come back the other way yep yep
0: that's this is going to be wild this is going to be such an intense game I I am so excited this is my first ever game at Folsom Whew. You picked a good one. My first ever time tailgating at Folsom. It's going to be incredible.
1: Yeah, make sure you guys come by the tailgate. I will be just downing flabongos all morning. Is
0: that like a known term or should we explain (laughs) what a flabongo is?
1: (laughs) It's just you just (laughs) chug a beer out of a a lawn flamingo. Of course. Of course. Why did I make you explain?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What kind of beer?
1: Breck Brews. Breck
0: Brews. Yep. I I think that... That's about all we have to say today. I mean, this will be your last chance to talk Buffs publicly before the sh- before the
1: rivalry game. Is there anything you want to add?
0: There is something I want to add.
1: I just can't say it on this family-friendly podcast.
0: Okay. Let's all take, like, four or five seconds just to think about what Ryan wants to say, <laughs> get our own guesses, and then we'll move on. All right. All right. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh Thanks, Ryan, for coming on today. It was a great show. Great hearing another perspective on this Buffs game. It's going to be so much fun. I'm excited to be out there with you, out there with all the BSN subscribers who hopefully hit up this tailgate, and we'll see what happens. Go Buffs. See you guys.